The following program brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by the members of CFCI and their guests should not be construed as specific investment, legal, or tax advice. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. Investing may involve the risk of loss of principal, and any tax advice on the show is not intended to be used by any persons for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal or state tax. Penalties that may be imposed on such persons and each listener should seek advice from their tax advisor or legal counsel on topics that arise from the show. The representatives of CFCI and their guests are not providing legal or tax advice, and nothing should be construed as a solicitation to offer or buy securities. Now enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Happy early Valentine's Day. My uh, my wife and I, we will be celebrating, I believe it's number 29, <laughs> Valentine's Days together. So next year will be the big 3-0. Nonetheless, we have a great show today. I'm very excited about the upcoming guest. Uh, I just got Ed Slot, the country's IRA expert, locked down. He's going to record uh, because of his busy schedule on the 28th of this month, and then we will play it on that Thursday. Mary Beth Franklin, the contributing editor of Investment News, past editor of Kiplinger Personal Finance Magazine. She will be on in March, and I'm looking to have Tom Hegna, the author of Paychecks and Playchecks and many other books as well, great economist, funny guy, on in April. So as I promised, I'm trying to bring at least one big hitter to the table each and every month for your enjoyment. Hopefully you follow them. We'll probably get David McKnight back on again. Just having like-minded people on the show. I don't like to get people that aren't like-minded on the show. That's not fun. I want to be like-minded with them so we can have a lot of fun. Hey, you may have received in the mail the Retirement Planning Today brochure, syllabus, whatever you want to call it, from the Center of Lifelong Learning at Ivy Tech. This is a class that Doug is teaching. It's over two evenings, so it's a Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. And it starts this Wednesday, the 15th. So sign up if you haven't. Learn how to determine how much money you need to retire, creating goals for a successful retirement, helping get on the same page with your partner, debt elimination, improving cash flow, how to properly convert an IRA to a Roth IRA, everything. Select the right retirement plan distribution choices, everything. So it's soup to nuts from life planning all the way through estate planning and everything in between. So it's a great program. You can head over to Ivy Tech's website, which is ivytech.edu forward slash CLL for Center for Lifelong Learning. I had a fun time this week. I was invited to come speak to a group of college students at IU on stress management. That was my my topic, I guess, they gave me was stress management. Well, the funny thing about this, and many of you hopefully kids are listening because we tried to get some raving fans out there to uh, start listening to this stuff. They're certainly going to be listening to 2025, the Final Drives podcast, and they also, I seem pretty excited about becoming listeners to the show, which will lower the age of the average listener by about 30 years if they start to come in and listen to the program. Um, so, you know, we talked about stress and, and talked about money, and I told them, listen, money can be stressful. It can be stressful when you don't have any, and it can be stressful when you have a lot. And describe to them the stresses that come with having a lot of money and the stresses that ha- you have coming with no money. Well, and then how to actually get money, how to make money, how to save money, how to share it, 
Do all the things you need to do right now. How not to put any money away tax deferred. You know what? Those kids did not need much convincing. When I laid out the fact that we are $30 trillion in debt, I explained to them this debt ceiling thing that's going on. A few of them actually paid attention uh, to, to uh, what's happening in the country and the world. We talked about how much a trillion dollars is. You know, if you stack $100 bills from the ground up, it's eight miles past the International Space Station. That's $1 trillion. We talked about if a dollar was a second, a million dollars was 11 and a half days, a billion dollars was 32 years, and a trillion was 32,000 years. And they actually gasped at that. A couple of people did. So they got it, and they understood that they are, even though they're not making any money right now, uh, that they will. And if you start and save often and early, I showed them how they could have $2 million by the time they're 65. If they start now, putting 100 bucks a month in, increasing that by 10% each year, you know, 100, then 110, you know, and on, onward and upward, how they'd have about $2 million at a pretty reasonable interest rate. So really, hopefully, it motivated them, inspired them to get off to the right start. I will say this. It wasn't all business students. I was sort of going into it thinking these kids were all... Kelly school kids or soon to be Kelly school kids and they were not there was maybe a hundred in the class and I asked how many of you are heading into business and about a third of them raised their hand I said okay well that helps me tailor what I want to talk to you about today because I don't want to give you boring stuff I want to give you stuff that will inspire you and get you headed in the right direction so when I was all done I said how many of you now want to be in business I got about 10 or 15 more hands to go up I go yes I hooked a few of you guys. I also talked about females in the room. I said, ladies, there are not enough female financial advisors, just not enough. I said, you guys are more compassionate. You're more patient. Um, you listen better, and they make fantastic financial advisors. So that hopefully I motivate a few of those young ladies to uh, look into the field and also bring the age of the average advisor down as well. And the last thing I left them with, and I just think this is kind of funny, I said, okay, Guys, we're $30 trillion in debt. Probably in the next 20 years, we'll be $50 trillion in debt. We've already shared with you the history of this and how we got to where we are today and how it's unlikely that we're going to fix it. So I have a question for you all. I actually had two questions. I'll, I'll give you both of them. I said, how many of you, after I showed, with, showed to them how Social Security is paid for, which means they're paying for their grandparents' Social Security, uh, how many of you here, and I share, also shared with them the fact in 83 and then again in the early 90s, the changes they made didn't affect anyone over the age of 30. So how many of you believe Social Security will be here for you when you retire? And of the 100 kids or so, literally I had two kids sort of poke their hands up just a little bit like, yeah, I think, that, I don't know. Okay, so question number two. How many believe in aliens, that aliens exist somewhere in this universe? And literally, like, most of them raise their hand. I, I, that proves my point that people of your age group, the millennials, do believe more in aliens than they believe that Social Security will be there for them when they retire. And then the last thing I left them with was this. Guys, we're $30 trillion in debt. We're going to 50 And I am sorry. I'm sorry that we are leaving you with this bar tab. And a bar tab, you didn't get to drink one drink on, eat one steak on, but you're going to have to pay for it all. And I'm sorry for that. God bless you. Have a great day. And they actually applauded at the end, which was really, really kind of funny. So anyway, if you have any opportunities for old Dave to come out and talk to you, I love getting out in front of groups, young people, 
uh, mature people, whatever. I enjoy it. I get my uh, I get my attaboys from that, and can talk on a variety of topics. Uh, football, finances, right, and just having fun. Generally speaking. All right. Speaking of college kids. The Indiana 529 College Choice Plan made some changes, and we got a little boost when we come back. I'll share with you what that is. This is Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Your Money with David Hayes. Yeah, so the Indiana 529 College Choice Plan has made some updates. And I thought about this because it's been around for like 25 years or something like that. Will, my son, was one when we started putting the, the magical $5,000 a year into his plan because I was getting a $1,000 tax credit, plus I needed to save for college anyway, right? So the tax credit from the state's 20%. That was the maximum. We would get that. It would offset tax on our state tax return. And that's all we would do every year, every year. Well, it's never changed, you know? So costs have changed, right? But the ability to get a tax credit on your contributions never changed. So this year it's changed, finally. Now they've increased the credit to $1,500, which means that the first 7,500 that you put in, you'll get $1,500 back, if, if my math's right. And this is good. I've always thought I had one kid, right, to put through school. Some of you have two, three, four kids to put through school. But you're still only you're getting the same tax credit that I get for putting one kid through school. So I think this is a step in the right direction. I do think that there's still some work to do in this area of the 529 plans. Thankfully, the feds, the Secure Act 2 kind of bailed us out on the what if you don't use it thing, right? We talked about this on podcasts and also here on the show that if the if the account's been around for 15 years or longer, that the beneficiary of that in starting next year in 20 24 can roll up to $35,000 into a Roth IRA, right? That's awesome. So that's a good bailout, a little safety valve, so to speak. And uh, pretty excited for that for a lot of people. And don't forget, with these funds, let's say, if you, let's say you get to the end and you don't know what to do with it. That was a good, a good option, $35,000 to a Roth. But you can also switch it to another child, to a friend's kid, to a grandchild, any you can move it around those beneficiaries around, and that's something that we're we're kind of interested to see how they how they uh, actually deal with this down the road. Um, because let's say that I switched the beneficiary to myself, right, and then then roll it to my Roth. I think they'll get that kind of worked out here in the next year because since it doesn't take place until twenty twenty four. What else can you do with that? Well, I also encourage people that have kids in college, if you don't have a bunch left over, keep putting the money in. So if they're a freshman, put it in, pull it out, right? You know you're going to spend at least 7500 bucks for that year. So put the 7500 bucks in, get your $1,500 back, pull it out, pay for college, and do it again and again and again and again until they're done with school. That's kind of the old put and pull method. So anyway, just a little update on the College Choice 529 plans. Uh, it's really honestly one of the best plans in the country as far as I, I'm, I'm concerned. I've seen a lot of them. And not every state receives a credit. In fact, I don't, don't know that, all, that most of them do. But it's great here in Indiana. It encourages people to save. Some would argue, hey, you know, if you were going to save anyway, 
but you're just getting a tax credit, so it's just like you know, icing on the cake. You don't deserve that. But honestly, it it helps everyone, right? If you um, like these folks to get down to the end and they really need that extra fifteen hundred dollars to kind of help pay more tuition, it's a good thing. And I'm not sure how you can fairly say that you don't deserve it and I do deserve it. That's like saying you don't deserve your Social Security check because you make a lot of money uh, because you did whatever in life to get yourself in that position. Uh, and I do deserve it. So that's the uh, that's where we're at on this today on the Indiana 529 College Choice Plan. So you can always go online and check it out. And also, listen, you don't have to be the owner to contribute. So if you're a grandparent and you say, hey, I'm going to put $7,500 into these my three or four or five or ten grandkids' accounts, and, and you would split it up over those accounts, then you would get your $1,500 tax credit. And that's a great thing to do. All you need to have is their account number. If you have their account number, that's what goes on the tax form with the Indiana uh, state filing, and you'll get your return. Great way to give at Christmas time, put it in 529 plans. Who knows? Hopefully you have lots of grandkids like I hope to have someday. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, get old Hot Rod on the phone. The Fed obviously did what they did last week. Um, then they started talking, which I anticipated the markets would pull back because that's normally what happens. The Fed does it. The market sees what it wants to see or hears what it wants to hear. And then the Fed governors start talking and saying, nope, we mean it. We mean it. We mean it. And then here we go, right? So we're going to have Rod on and talk a little bit about last week's commentary and now where we see ourselves this week and maybe even a little bit of a glimpse into the rest of this year. I'll be right back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Well, let's talk about last week in the markets. Stocks were mixed last week following a better-than-expected corporate reports and increasing optimism over a slowdown in interest rates. Don't laugh, Rod. Don't laugh yet. Strong earnings reports and encouraging inflation data lifted stocks ahead of the Open Market Committee meeting decision on Wednesday to jump rates up a quarter basis point. Markets then rallied, followed the announcement, and we talked a little about this last week as well. They were relieved that the increase was in line with expectations, which is good. You know, if they would have come in and said, oh, we're not raising at all, the markets would have panicked because, oh, my gosh, maybe we've overdone it. If they went 50 basis points, we'd be like, oh, no, you know, they're, they're not slowing down anytime soon. But the uh, Chairman Powell did acknowledge that disinflationary forces were in place. So we had fresh earnings reports fueled further gains with positive earnings surprises from some of the big tech companies that benefited from the larger universe of NASDAQ-listed high-growth companies. Had some uh, disappointing earnings from three mega-cap companies and a reasonably strong employment report that triggered the Friday pullback, kind of pairing the week's gains. So, Rod, here we set today, right? We started off the week one way, and it seemed like every day it the wind, like it was blowing this morning when I left the house, is kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, and that's kind of what we discussed last night with Glass, is that it's kind of been up a day, down a day, up a day here in the last probably five, six trading days. Um, obviously, for the year, it has been predominantly going up. You know, the market still continues to grasp onto every inkling of data that they think should tell the Fed you're done. But the Fed continues to tell the same story, which is, yes, we're moving in the right direction, but we got a long way to go. 
and we're nowhere close to being done. Matter of fact, after after Chairman Powell last week, this week you this week has been full of Fed governors and Fed presidents out speaking at different economic forums right. and luncheons and, and media presentations. They're all basically singing the exact same tune that uh, that that they're probably going to have to go higher than what their current estimate is because the labor force continues to show tightness. And even though wage inflation is coming down and inflation in multiple other sectors and categories are coming down, it isn't straight across the board. And the battle most certainly has not been won. And I have fear that eventually we're going to get a CPI number that's either a small uptick or even flat and then go down and we eventually hit a sticking point. That's not necessarily next week's number that I'm thinking that's going to happen. But I don't think the market will like that if it's ha- if that does happen, just based on the fact that every time something comes out that is remotely in the, the bailiwick of what the market is thinking, the market rallies. Today's a good example. Weekly jobless claims estimated at 190,000. They come in at 196,000. So 6,000 more people filed for jobless claims, and you get a big rally in the morning. Well, it just makes no sense. That, that's not a huge jump up in unemployment. That's not a whole bunch of people getting laid off. Once again, is it a move in the right direction from the standpoint of what the Fed would like to see? Yeah, most certainly is better that the number was a little higher than estimate, but not below. And it feels odd to say it's a little better that a few more people lost their job. And I think that's the difficulty in where we're at with the Fed. We want demand. But yet the only way for the Fed to attempt to, to control inflation is to reduce demand. So, so it is kind of that, that anomaly of we want growth, we want demand, we want people working. But at the same time, to reduce the money supply, we need to reduce that demand. We need to reduce how many people are working and collecting a paycheck. But there is most certainly still a bit of a disconnect between what the market is thinking and what the Fed is thinking, one of them is eventually going to have to capitulate and say, I'm wrong, and make a change. And right now, I'm not sure who it is. If I were forced to guess, mainly because the old adage, don't fight the Fed, holds true when the Fed is decreasing rates, as it is when the Fed is increasing rates. And until I hear the Fed tell me something different as far as their stated plan, I've got to lean a little bit more towards the Fed, even if the Fed is wrong which I'm not saying they're right in what they're planning to do with the rates. The reality is, if they're wrong and they push it too far and they go too far, guess what? Demand slows down dramatically. The market will slow down. Revenues and earnings will slow down. Then you'll probably have a bit of a sell-off in the market in addition to an economic recession. But we just don't know any of that yet because we're still in the process of them gathering data, and we're still on the way to five which the market has priced in a high probability of 25 bips at the next two meetings, which will put us at five on the federal funds rate. Yeah, and I think the Fed's doing a good job. I think they're transparent. They're doing what they say they're going to do. They acknowledge the lagging indicators. Um, you know, we, you and I have been around long enough to be, be uh, around through a few different Feds, and we had one that was very tight-lipped and close to the vest, and Bernanke kind of came out, and he was a little more open uh, helicopter Ben, they called him, right? So the boy, he was, yep. he, he, he looks like a, he looks like a, like a co-pilot of what happened in 2020 and 2021 when money came flying out of the sky. But I think what, what everyone is hoping for and wanting is kind of like what we felt 
like in the 90s, was, was that Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold, just right, you know, so that things could continue to just plug and chug ahead. But I don't know, Rod, I'm, I'm not so sure we're going to get there. But it's possible. It's possible. So that's why we're on each and every week. One thing I will say, you know, last year we had the worst year for bonds ever. Interest rates jumped up. Bond values went down. I mean, some, some you know, the corporate bond index that most people followed down 13 14%. Um, bonds have rebounded from a week 2022 some, so hopefully people's uh, quarter statements coming up soon uh, with those balanced portfolios that you've leaned on for years and years and years is sort of that perfect spot to be in when things are rocky on one side or the other. Um, I think that'll be pleasing to people when they get their statements or they pop open their 401k uh, uh, apps online. Yeah, most certainly, because obviously it's a bit unsettling when the, the safer, more conservative part of your portfolio gets hammered as much or almost as much as what the equity side does, because that was supposed to be there to, to counterbalance a potential sell-off in, in the equity side of things. So, yeah, that feels much better. And, yeah, even if the Fed has more than than 225 basis points increases ahead of it, I don't foresee us going back into 50 or 75 bips at a time. So that rapid increase that really rocked the bond market last year, we shouldn't see that moving forward. So, yeah, you're going to have more stability. And the good news about that is, hey, savers are now finally getting paid to actually own something relatively safe and conservative, where for years they got paid absolutely nothing, basically, just set on safe, conservative investments. Yeah, it's one, one after another, folks say, man, I got a CD rate at four-something, you know, in 13 months. But it, they said, but if I went any further than that, I got less. And I'm like, yep, that's the yep. way this thing works. Uh, one thing, we have consumer sentiment coming out Friday. Now, that'll be between the airing of this show on Thursday and the replay on Saturday. Um Personally, Rod, I mean, I think consumers are still feel. I mean, where I've been, and I've been, you know, I've traveled a lot, so I'm, I'm headed, I'm, people are happy when they're traveling, especially when the sun's out. Um, they're spending money. They're feeling pretty good. They're not feeling great. I, I do sense that the kids that I talked to this week are a little concerned about what's next for them. You know, it's scary when you're a kid entering your senior year. You're going to graduate in May. You don't have a job yet. You're hearing about layoffs, and they're, you know, they're scared, and they're not feeling feeling the love like us more mature people that have stable stable situations around us so it'll be interesting to see what consumers uh are feeling i don't even know this would be from last month right how they felt last month yeah yeah i believe it's it's a month old data on the consumer sentiment i'm not uh definitive that it is a full month old like the economic data which they have to gather last month and report it then in the next month for what happened last month consumer sentiment may not be a full month though but it is a little old it is a little laggy it also i'm not sure is always a great indicator of what the consumer is doing with their dollars which is what's most important for economic right, growth right right so a consumer cannot feel really good about things but maybe still out there spending or maybe they feel okay about things, but they're not out there spending. And then the bigger picture that I keep worrying about is right now the consumer is consuming. How much of it is on credit card debt, and are they getting over-levered by using credit card? Because as I told Glass last night on his show, credit card debt has just hit the highest level it ever has in the history of the U.S., tracking it wow. and i don't i didn't see in the in the article or the chart actually that that i received that data on i didn't see what date they started tracking it so i don't know how far back that goes but i know the chart itself went back 
uh, uh, beyond 2000, and that's kind of where I stopped looking at. It was just kind of the 2000s forward, and it was very high. Um, so that has to have some concerns, especially if more layoffs are coming, because then that's potentially when that snowball effect kicks in. Because you know the credit card's going to be one of the first payments kicked to the curb if, if somebody has to make a decision that I have five bills and I can't pay them all. They're typically going to make sure that they have power in the house. They're going to make sure that they still keep their house. They probably need to have an automobile to get to work. Uh, streaming services are pretty important to people right now, so it's probably the credit card that goes first, and then they'll start whittling off some of those things like streaming or cable before, obviously, mm-hmm. they get into the things that are most important and valuable to their everyday livelihood. I wish we had a sophisticated enough system here at the radio show or station, when we do, but it takes a lot of work where I could make that little note that you're going to see this first, then this, then that. And then when you're right, which the only time you would play it back is when you were right, right, Hot Rod? That's the way, that's yeah. the way it works yeah. immediately. That's right. You, you don't advertise the wrong <laughs> forecast. You, you, you just power play the right the forecast right. and you ignore that you ever had said anything that was wrong. Uh, that's funny. All right, man, I'm going to let you go. Uh, we'll hear you on Glass in the Afternoon on Friday afternoon, on Big Show Friday. And then uh, you and I still have some work to do tomorrow night. We've got some uh, meetings. I'll be up in Greenwood. You'll be on Zoom with me along with our new – Fixed income guidance, our new fixed income guy, which is really exciting. So uh, have a good rest of the day, Rod. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Dave. Have a great show. Let's take a break. All right. Part of the tag that went out, if you follow the promos for the show, why is it so important to check your beneficiaries? I always have to put something in like, don't disinherit your grandkids and not even know it. I'm going to come and talk to you about beneficiaries because the ideas for the show come from situations that come up in my everyday life. So I'm going to share with you a couple stories when we get back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. So why is it so important to check your beneficiaries? On the surface, you're like, duh, but so it goes to who I want it to go to. Yes, that's true. But a lot of people do do it maybe when they first hire on somewhere, never check it again. They might have made it mom and dad when they were in their 20s, a brother, a sister, niece or nephew, and then life changes and they never go back and check it. So what is a beneficiary form and how important is it? Well, number one, it is absolutely the will of that money. I don't care what else you say, what else you write down. If it says, I'm going to give all of my money in this account to this person, and then my intent was later to give it to someone else, guess what? And when I die, it goes to that other person that I put on first. Now, there are some exceptions to that. The ERISA rules that you know follow uh, rural retirement accounts for the most part. In Indiana, uh, it used to be this way, but now it's all, all over the uh, U.S., um, your current spouse has to sign off to say it's okay for me not to be the beneficiary on that. But that's not true with life insurance. It's not true with annuities. It's not true with individual retirement accounts. It's true with 401ks. It's true with 403bs if they are an ERISA plan. They're not required to be an ERISA plan. An ERISA plan requires fiduciary responsibility. Some of these not-for-profits are like, nah, we're not going to take that <laughs> responsibility. We don't want it. We don't want to take it. We're going to put it on the participant. So it is very important to have it written down how you want it to go. So, yeah, life insurance, beneficiaries. Annuities, beneficiaries. Retirement accounts, beneficiaries. What if you haven't designated one, just like to my estate? Well, guess what? 
then it follows the direction of your will. But if you leave it to an estate, that's not a person. So that all the taxes have to be paid on a retirement account, an annuity. Life insurance, of course, is tax-free. Then it will be distributed by whatever your will says. If you didn't have a will, the state of Indiana has one for you, right? It, it, looks, it looks down, it looks sideways, it looks up and over. I mean, it has some, you know, it has some formula that it goes through to see, are you married? Do you have kids? If that's the case, 50-50, which is kind of scary to some people. That's the rules, yeah. No, no spouse, no kids, okay. Let's look up. Mom and dad's still around, grandma and grandpa's still around. Nope. All right, let's look out. Brothers and sisters, right? Nieces and nephews, and it goes down again. So that ha the state of Indiana has a process to put you through to make sure it gets to where, you know, the state at least says it should get to. So, also, when it comes to disinheriting your grandchildren, I think it's really important that you have contingent beneficiaries. So it's written down that if my wife, Misty, is not here, then all the money goes to Will. Now, that's pretty straightforward. We have one kid. But let's use my family as an example. Let's say that my dad says, I, if I die, I want everything to go to Jeannie, my stepmother. And if Jeannie's not there, then it goes to Dan, David, Mark, and Carrie, the four of us. And then it's important to say, okay, what happens if one of them predecease me? It's like, okay, what happens? Does, is it pro rata? Does this mean the re it gets left to the remaining three? Or is it per stirpes or per issue? Which means that my share would pass on to my folks. would go to Will. Or, and, and you have to check the right box. So just because you have contingents, you have to think about the successors as well. And I've seen this recently completely screwed up, where it was pro rata, not per stirpes. The intent was for this son who predeceased go to his two kids, but it didn't. It went to the other three brothers and sisters. And guess what? Not all families are like my family. They get along. In fact, many families don't get along, especially after... Papa Bear or Mama Bear passes away, they start fighting about money. It's the root of all evil, right? So in this one case, there was one of the, the uncles that was pretty well off, and he said, here, I'm just going to give you, you know, what you would have gotten had your dad died, and he just took less, and the other two went off in the sunset. So how could that have been corrected? Per stirpes, check the right box. You know, the other thing that comes up with beneficiaries is sometimes you don't want the money. And why would you not want the money? Let's say I have an estate that's worth $10 bucks, And $3 million of that's in a retirement account. And I know that federal estate tax laws are going to be changing. And I say to myself, you know what? I know my husband just died. Do I really want to take on this $3 million IRA? I really don't need it. But I could disclaim it to my contingent beneficiaries. But you have to have contingent beneficiaries to disclaim too, which basically says, I don't want it, just pass it down, down to the contingents. That is a completely legal, insane thing to do in the situation that I'm referring to. So you have beneficiaries. You have contingent beneficiaries. You have successor beneficiaries. You can have uh, trust as beneficiaries, right? Which is a kind of a living document, so to speak. But I'm just encouraging people that if you need to talk to someone about making sure that you have these things set up correctly, 
reach out to someone that you have confidence that knows how to do this kind of stuff. We, you know, we say it in every episode of 2025, The Final Drive. If you would like to discuss these complicated issues, please reach out to us for a phone call. I don't know. I, we love doing that. We love helping people. So you could email us if you'd like at cfci.us and go to contact us and, and uh, you know, say, hey, I just need to have a conversation about this. Understand the tax consequences of every different account also matters. And who should be listed as a beneficiary, let's say, of a charity? Why would I ever put a charity down for a Roth IRA? Why would I ever put a charity down as a beneficiary of my life insurance? Those are tax-free. Send those to people. What about an annuity? Well, it depends. If there are a lot of pent-up gains in there, maybe that goes to a charity. But leave those tax-infested retirement accounts, traditional IRAs, to the charities. That's who you leave it. And then just take them completely out of your will. So many times, and we're going to talk about wills next, so many times we'll say, oh my gosh, look at all these charities that are listed in your will. Why would you do that? Why? Because money that ends up in your estate, your will, generally, if it was an appreciated asset, gets a stepped-up cost basis. Um, They don't pay any tax. If it's money, they don't pay any tax, it's cash, leave the IRA. And sometimes you're like, okay, I have 15 beneficiaries on the IRA, and it's 2% and 5% and 10% and 1%. That's okay. Just monitor the IRA annually to say, okay, that's more money than I wanted to give, so I'm going to roll some money out to my other IRAs and just kind of monitor that and take it completely out of your will. Leave IRA money to charities. They don't pay tax, generally speaking. If they filed everything and they're 501c3 and blah, 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 that's the way you do it. All right, I'm going to leave you with that. We're going to talk about wills, trusts, POAs, healthcare reps, and living wills when we come back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. All right, I actually ran it a little over on the last segment. When I'm talking IRAs and beneficiaries, are you surprised? <laughs> All right, so let's talk about how you avoid probate. Uh, anything that has a beneficiary and it goes to a person, that avoids probate. That means it does not go through your will, it doesn't go through the court process, none of that. So many people are like, yeah, I want to have a no probate estate or at least limited probate. Well, if you put proper beneficiaries on everything, you're good to go. But what about the things that I can't put a beneficiary on, that, like my car or my house? Well, Believe it or not, you can in a sort of way. You can put a transfer on death designation, a pay on death designation. In Indiana, you can put a transfer on death, TOD, on a will, I'm sorry, on a deed of a piece of real estate. And when you die, it goes to that person or these people. That avoids probate, doesn't go through your will. If you have a car title, you don't have to sign it and stick it in the top drawer and say, hey, when I die, quickly run down to the BMV and get this transferred to your name. You can make a transfer on death on your car titles. Super easy. You can put pay on death. That's for things that are like cash accounts. Transfer on death would also be for investment accounts. You can put it on just about anything. We generally do TODs on just about every individual and joint account. It's just easier. But then what about your lawnmower, your tools, your guns, uh, w- things that you, you can't put a TOD on or a POD, doesn't have a title or a deed. Well, those are the things that you designate in your documents. Who should get those? It would be in your will. It would be in your trust. But 
it might be, and I like this method, that you say, you know what? The residual estate, which is just everything else, it's my couches, it's my dressers, it's my lawnmower, it's my tools. You could say, hey, when I die, I want Joey, my grandson, to have my zero-turn mower. Sure, you can do that. That would be just a schedule you attach to your will. Or these, this silver uh, that my great-grandfather, you can designate this stuff out. And I would say for the more prominent things that mean a lot to the family, that certainly would be the best way to go. But then at the end, it's like, you know what? Let's just sell the rest of it. Let's just sell the rest of it. And you sell it all, and if there's something that one of the kids wanted, they buy it, right? If they pay 1000 bucks for something at the auction, they were going to get, if there's three kids, they were going to get a third of it anyway. So they get a third discount. They take it. The other two get their money, and we're happy. Some people have put into their uh, will, let the oldest person pick first, and then the next oldest, and the next oldest, and then the next oldest, it's like a draft. Then the youngest gets to go again. Then the middle person goes again. And the oldest, and the oldest gets to go again. I, it works okay. But then you still end up at the point where they're like, I don't want any of this junk. So at some point, there has to be some kind of an overall liquidation. But it's important, guys, to have a will. Because if you forget or to put something in a transfer on death, pay on death, or forget to put a beneficiary on something... It needs to know where to go. Otherwise, it follows the state guidelines that I mentioned before. Trust. Trust avoid probate. And that's a way a lot of people go. I typically am not a huge fan of trust unless there's certain things you want to accomplish. You Maybe you want to limit how people receive their money and when they receive their money. You can do it in a will, but a will has to create a trust called a testamentary trust. But make sure you have the living documents, a power of attorney, and don't make it springy. Make it just, hey, dude, you're my power of attorney. If I need something done, you do it. That means they can do it for you when you don't want to or you can't. You don't need to run around and get some doctor's approval that you're incapacitated and now you need someone to act. Because trust me, personal experience, not just in my own personal life and my family, but also with clients' situation, when you need the POA, it's normally a situation where you really need the POA. And then, of course, you have the Healthcare rep and the living will as well. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and wrap up this dog show. We'll be back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Man, it's Thursday, recording early, going to the Indiana Girls Iowa ba- basketball game tonight. Excited about that. Uh, fun weekend ahead. Brett Michaels down at French Lick this weekend. Super Bowl Sunday. Wow, what a great weekend. I can't wait. Hey, let's give a quick shout-out to Unrivaled Electric. They want to be your full-service electrical contractor specializing in generators like mine. I didn't have to use it even though the wind was wicked this morning on a Thursday. And Solar Arrays, they're veteran-owned. They want to be your electrician like they are mine. Give them a call, 812-361-3604. Again, it's Unrivaled Electric. Kenny Bland Auctions, if you're one of those estates that need liquidation, give him a call. He's fantastic at it. Most of it's done online. It's great. Easy. I, I buy stuff from him all the time at KennyBlandAuctions.com. And then finally, we talked about this today as well. <laughs> like Law Group, give yourself and your family the peace of mind. Lance knows how to do beneficiary arrangements, so give his office a call. They'll take care of you. You'll have the peace of mind that comes with the proper estate planning. Call Lance at the Like Law Group, 812-323-8300. Wow, how relevant are all the sponsors? Windy Morning generators we were talking about state 
distribution, Kenny Blaine Auctions. Talking about making sure you have proper beneficiaries and you have a will and a trust and all that, like Law Group. There you go, boys. Hope you're listening. Hey, next week, we'll be back in the studio having a fantastic show, we hope. Then we're going, I'll be gone a week, um, and Doug will be filling in that week. And then we'll have Ed Slot on, and then we'll keep on rolling on into March. And a lot of great things happening this year. So we appreciate everyone hanging out with us for this hour of your life. If you missed any of it, of course, you can catch it on Saturday mornings. The most popular time for people to listen at 9 a.m. Always on WGCLradio.com. And also, of course, on your favorite streaming app where you can pick up the podcast. So the podcast, the radio show, it's all out there. You can listen to them. We're trying to come up with better descriptions so that you don't have to um, guess. You can actually read a description and say, oh, that's what they're going to be talking about. And I'll listen to that. You can go half speed, which is kind of funny. You can go on regular speed, one and a half times speed, I think even two times speed, which is a really, it's like a helium balloon speed or a had too many cocktail speed. And then, or you can just do the one in the middle where you're just going to have to guess. All right, we're going to have to take the long break. Have a, have a great weekend, everyone, and enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, I think the weather's going to be okay, not great, and we'll talk to you again next week. We'll see you. Bye-bye. The preceding program was brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities.